Welcome, everyone. How are we doing? It's been a minute. I know it's been a while, um, but we're back. We got a fun topic here today. We're talking about the difference between doing a movement versus doing a movement for this. Sorry, doing a movement for the sake of the movement versus doing movement for the sake of the muscles. And I have some notes I want to talk about this because I posed this question on Twitter the other day and I got some interesting responses. I actually didn't think it would get the responses that it did. I thought it was pretty straightforward. But because of it, I kind of now want to address that. Um, by the way, before I go any further, if you guys are curious or interested, feel free to check out my online training team. We train six days a week. It's a seven-day free trial. It's on an app. We do upper body. We get jacked and strong. We do lower body, be explosive, run fast, jump high. It's the programming I make weekly. It's not just some cookie cutter that's made months in advance. I listen to your feedback and I adjust it. Um, so feel free to check it out. That's the Always an Athlete team. Um, if you guys are ever interested in learning more from me, you can check out The Edge U. I have courses on there, myself and Paul Fabrics. Hours and hours of content. Um, it's an awesome platform. Made it very affordable for everybody. $30 a month. And there's so much content on there. Like I said, there's courses, there's free form content, there's interviews with experts. It's well worth its value. So we'll dive into the podcast today. Um, do we do movements or exercises actually here's the question i'll just the exact tweet i put out basically i said do we squat because we want to do the squatting movement or do we squat because we want to train specific muscles now i thought this is pretty straightforward especially someone who um likes to kind of break things down for what they're worth and i'm not i'm not anti-squat but i do pose a lot of questions about squatting because it's such a dogmatic exercise or has a lot people have a lot of dogmatic views about it um, a lot of absolute squatters out there you, know, you don't squat to depth online apparently they didn't work any muscles um so i wanted to pose a typically polarizing exercise because it does get some clicks and more engagement but the responses were interesting a lot of people were like no we squat to squat because and essentially i train to be an athlete so i squat to squat because somehow the squat pattern has some inherent value beyond the muscles it works versus doing the exercise because it works specific muscles. Um, the muscles probably being your glutes and your quads, right? So the question is, do I squat because it's a good exercise to train my glutes and quads in a dynamic fashion, or do I squat because I care about squatting? Um, off the bat, you probably guess can guess where I fall. I think we squat to train specific muscles and specific actions. I think there's no innate value to the magical movement of squatting. And then let me explain my example. So we have two athletes. I have some notes so I don't get lost. And they both make the exact same progress and strength. They're the same person. We duplicate, replicate myself. And there's two maxes. And one max is a person who squats very vertical, upright, and Knees may go over the toes a little bit, narrower stance. And the other athlete squats with a little bit of a wider stance, well, myself again, more of a hinge dominant low bar position. Both people are squatting. <clears throat> now they both get equally strong. So over time, I put on lots of strength in my squat and both maxes, max one and max two, max vertical squat, and max low bar squat. And let's say I get to the point where I'm squatting 500 pounds each way. Congratulations. Good job. Are those movements, even though the same movements, or are they both squatting? We squat for the sake of squatting. 
going to yield the same adaptive and hypertrophy and strength results across all the muscles. Well, by default, the movement itself is actually a little bit different in each example. In the first example, I am squatting low bar. I'm or in one example, I'm going to lose track of which person's which, but one example, I'm squatting much wider stance, more hinge dominant, and the other I'm more upright. And so they're not the same patterns, and they're probably not loading the same muscles the same. And so therefore, the tissues that get developed are not going to be the same. And if I'm trying to develop certain tissues to help me do certain things like run, jump, and sprint, I want to make sure I'm training the actual right tissues and muscles. So just by that example alone, we squat for the sake of training specific muscles. Now, it doesn't mean we should now run and do only knee extensions and kickbacks because we train the exercise. We use the exercise to train the quads and the glutes. We still want to train it in a squatting pattern or a dynamic action where we're doing something vertical where the ankle, maybe not the ankle, but the hip and knee are working to create extension. And in a knee extension, that's not the case. Obviously, you're not working your glutes. And a kickback, you're not going to be working the quads. Now you're working the glutes and quads in isolation. But that, again, is not reaching our goal. So if we are squatting for the sake of training specific muscles, and if we were to do a variation of a squat that doesn't train those muscles exactly right, then by default, we squat to train specific muscles we don't squat for the sake of squatting. If you squatted for the sake of squatting, like a competitive power lifter, you wouldn't necessarily care which muscles are being worked. You just want to do the movement form that allows you to lift the most weight so you can win the competition. The goal of squatting becomes the goal. I posed the same question. I said, we, we strength train not to get better at an exercise. We use exercises to help us strength train or to get stronger. You're not using the squat because you want to become the greatest squatter. You're using the squat because you want to get stronger. And you, what is stronger? Well, certain muscles may be generating more maximal force capabilities. So if we have different patterns, then obviously they're not equal. So I think inarguably for a majority of people, we squat to train specific muscles. And that is so important. And let me explain why. Because I think when people hear the word squat, they think back squat. Well, there are lots of exercises that train vertical force production that challenges the hip and quadricep, the hip and knee, I should say, to work in an extension-like pattern. You're extending the hip and the knee, and they're driving up to be stand up nice and tall. And when we open this door, we can justify now why maybe a Hatfield squat, where we have a safety bar on our back, we're using some hand assistance for stability. Difference between stability and assistance. I think people, by the way, a little tangent right here, see a safety bar and they see the hands and they think, oh, the hands are always assisting me. No, they're not always assisting the lift. They're not assisting force production. They're assisting the balance, the stability. And because of that, it allows me to get into a pattern that is much more friendly for training the muscles I want to train. Because sometimes people have weird anthropometrics. Some people lose balance in certain squat patterns. Um, they prefer to have you know, certain feet set up a certain way. Everyone's built differently. And the barbell was never built for you. Barbell was made many years ago and it's never changed. It didn't wasn't made with you in mind. A barbell is very general. It's generally useful. 
but it's not, you know, customized fit. And because it's not customized fit, it might work better for some people and less for others. And then you might say, well, you should learn how to squat with a barbell and do the best form. But that gets us back to our initial question. I'm not squatting <laughs> for the sake of getting better at squatting. I'm squatting for the sake of training my muscles. So if I can circumvent the need to spend X amount of time to squat, to still squat suboptimally, I could just do a safety bar squat where the bar is resting on my back. My body can get into a nice position because I can add a little bit of stability and support with my hands. And I can squat down and load the tissues I want. Or maybe you find an alternative. I prefer to do a Bulgarian split squat. Or maybe I won't squat as deep because when I squat too deep, my rate limiting factor becomes my low back. So now we start to break down why we squat and the muscles we want to use is another principle that goes along with this. Um, I cannot say his last name. It's Dietmer Schmeltenbletcher. I, I mean, I butchered that really bad. You can look it up. He is a famous strength conditioning researcher. He has an idea called the isolation principle. And we hear isolation, you're going to think, oh, isolative muscles. No, it simply means that when you do an exercise, you want to understand what tissues you're training, what muscles. I might squat to train my quads and my glutes. If that's the case, I never want my rate limiting factor of that exercise to be a different muscle or a different quality. I don't want it to be stability to be an issue or maybe my low back. For example, when some people squat and they go down to a certain depth, they're now in a disadvantaged position with their low back because of mobility or whatever it might be, stability, and they can't lift it as well. Okay, well, now I am limiting the loading on my quads and my glutes because I've selected a movement that's not actually conducive to training my quads and my glutes in the most optimal way. For some people, I'm sure the squat is, but for others, maybe not. And this is so unbelievably important because now we start to break down the principles. And with the isolation principle, you can look at your movement and be like, is my primary muscles, are they the rate limiting factor into whether or not I'm a succeeding or failing at a lift? And this is really important to apply across many different domains of movement and exercises, because maybe you're doing a, an Olympic lift and you want the rate limiting factor to be vertical force reduction of your legs, but really it's the catch. So you're unable to catch the lift. So you don't progress in weight, but maybe you realize that catch portions doesn't have much utility because you're limiting your ability to catch because your wrist mobility and you don't really care about your wrist mobility that much at least to the point that Olympic lifters are because you're not trying to train that because you might be someone who just wants to do this movement to work on triple extension so maybe not catching it is a useful means and application of that exercise what's also really important is that not all exercises or about training the tissues, like the quads and the glutes. Um, some of them are all about training the movement. For example, a jump shot was an extreme skill example. And this applies to plyometrics, running, and sprinting as well. When you train a jump shot, the goal is to make the shot. You want to get better at it. You're training the skill of it. You're not worried if your forearms are being used in a certain way or if your quads are being used in a certain way. You're training the skill. Same thing with like, plyometrics. Now there are some aspects of a plyometric you could argue, especially when the plyometric is a little more isolated, like you're doing pogo hops. And the goal of a pogo hop is to place plyometric load on the ankles. And so you want to make sure that you are doing the movement in a way that actually loads the ankles and you're not just bending really deep. Well, then obviously you want to make sure the movement's done appropriately. 
but I guess by definition, and you're not really doing a pogo hop in the first place if you're doing it wrong. So in those movements, you're training the movement. You can't say my rate limiting factor per se when I'm doing bounds is going to be my quads, but there is a form, a technique you might want to pursue, but you're not going to necessarily select an alternative because, oh, the bounds are working my low back, so I will do something else. Instead, you will build proficiency in the bounds because you've deemed that movement pattern to be important because that movement pattern is something that occurs in sport. And that pattern is comprised of many different muscles. And what the emphasis is on is the coordination and action of those muscles. So in certain exercises, the movement itself becomes really important. And when the movement's important, we're not going to have huge variability in alternatives. You're going to say, I'm going to do the bound. I'm going to do my sprint. I'm going to do whatever. It's not like you're going to make a modified bound. But with that, because movements are so diverse, you might select a huge variety of different movements because by nature, each movement is kind of unique. That is when you jump, sprint, and run. And we talk about this on a spectrum. So like on one end of the spectrum, we're doing like exercises and lifts because we're trying to target specific tissues. And maybe there's some sub-qualifications. Like I want to target my quads and glutes working together to create extension. And then there might be another category way on the other end of the spectrum where I'm training the movements and the movements are naturally going to be the emphasis and the tissues that get trained are going to fall in line after that. And that's really important because it helps you understand that on one end, when you're just training the tissues, you have huge amount of variability in how you want to do that because you might have different modifications in terms of the squat pattern to make sure you load the tissues appropriately. But then when you go over here to the movements, you don't have variability in the actual movement. For example, the bound, but you have oodles of options to select from lateral bound, side of, you know, bound emphasis with this, that, and blah, blah, blah. And every movement, it's almost own unique variation. So it might seem a little confusing at first. And people go, oh, Max, you need to simplify this. Be simple. Just squat and jump and you'll get there. Well, oh, and first off, that's a lazy mindset. Like, let's just be honest. If all it was just squat heavy and bound forward and training was just that simple, we probably shouldn't get paid much money. If your mindset is this should be hyper simplified and all you should do is squat and sprint, then what utility do we even have pursuing anything beyond that? Right? Just think about that for a second. If that's really the stance you want to take and you think that's best, and I don't think that's best, by the way, there's lots of justification and evidence to suggest that's not best. Then you should consider that because I do think if you just got really strong and sprinted and jumped, you'll probably cover 85% of your demands and you will see progress 85% to 90% perfect, probably more like 85 to 80. And that's really good. And you're going to see progress. But what's about the other 20%? Do we not pursue that? Because I would argue that there is nuances that drive specific outcomes, especially when you start to try and learn the skill, how to get better at your sport. Because I guess from a general standpoint, 85% covering that does do a lot of good. It'll get you very far. And for most people who aren't pursuing anything hyper-competitive or just their own competitiveness with themselves, getting 85% of the way there is really good. Like if you like uh, tacos or burritos or whatever, and you go to a restaurant that, you know, it's 85% or 80% of what the best taco and burrito would be, you'd be pretty happy with it. You don't need to pay a ton of money for it. 
if you want to get the world's best burrito and the best chef to make it for you, yeah, then there is nuanced aspects to how things are seasoned and how things are cooked and prepared and given to you and the interplay between flavors. And that's the exact same parallel to training. And the huge rebuttal I get to this is, oh, you know, you shouldn't be so complicated. This isn't helping people. Well, I train a specific group of people. And you, each person you train is probably very specific, but you might, listening to this, train a specific group of people, and you want to be the best you can within that. And so that's why it's so important to pursue some of these specifics, to really try and do what is most best, most optimal, and Maybe in your setting, in the setting you work in, you don't have the luxury to make every single person's exercise selection be the most optimal for them. But if you at least understand what optimal is, you might be able to make small adjustments to even get more out of it. That's like a mass production example. For example, the burrito taco example, if I'm mass producing these, well, I can make them one way. But if I realize just adjusting the seasoning or the crunch or the ratio of cheese to lettuce in this taco... I can make it much better. I should do that. I only learn that ratio because I went to learn from a master chef where in the perfect world, we would have this ratio, but from a mass production scale, we can't do it exactly like this, but we can make these modifications. Then there you go. We have justified how we can apply this in a team setting. And so when we pursue these aspects and routes, we need to understand why we're pursuing them. I think people often take offense to it. They get here oh, you shouldn't squat and you shouldn't do this and it elicits some weird emotional response about it. And then they throw back at you, just simplify things, be simple as you can. Well, okay, you're almost derailing yourself. I'm not saying be complicated for the sake of complication. That's not true either. Because if it was simple, we would have so much better results, much better results in our training through a, uh, a consistent basis than what we currently do. Lots of people make lots of progress. Not lots of people get better at their sport. And that's very important to understand. We still struggle to connect our training with the sporting world. And I'll do a podcast on this separately because a lot of you who've been following me, you might realize that I have moved a little bit more towards the skill end of training. I have been training a wonderful group of basketball players where I have the luxury to have a weight room, a basketball court. We train multiple times a week. We try and integrate actually getting better at sport. And this has brought up a lot of questions of myself and it's challenged me to become a much better coach in that realm because you are working in that optimal realm. There's no longer an excuse to be like, well, I have 40 people. I can't do this. I can't do that. I really want to challenge myself to see if I can actually improve people in this realm. And what I derive from those interactions, some of them are scalable. And so you can see some of the change and maybe the uh, programming I do at a larger scale for my online team or it might be, but you can derive so much out of it. And it really is the pursuit of trying to be the best we can. And by nature, that's trying to find principles. So we walked through this whole example here today about do I squat because I want to train the movement or squat to train the muscles. And while the movement might hold some benefit, there's, you know, we, we typically do the movement because we're training specific muscle groups. And by the way, if that's not your goal and your goal is simply to train the movement by gosh, by golly, do the movement, but understand what that means too. That doesn't mean do the movement with the infinitesimal amount of weight. If I want to squat to be able to pick up things off the floor, maybe there is a threshold of success. I only need to squat so much or goblet squat so much. And if I can maintain that ability to goblet squat so much or whatever, back squat so much, then I am proficient in my ability to pick stuff off the ground because picking stuff off, off the ground might be an important 
quality and squatting without the context of it training specific muscle groups, just the motion of squatting is beneficial to that because that's what you're going to do when you're in your environment, picking some up off the floor. That's great. But pursuing the infinitesimal amount of strength in that pattern isn't always justifiable because again, you're picking, you're doing it to help pick stuff up off the floor. So if that's the case, then why are you training it to you know pick up a thousand pounds? And these are questions that are hard to ask because they've challenged a lot of my own personal beliefs and how I train. When I first learned um, a lot of my training methods and stuff through schooling, oh, it's all about maximal strength, how strong you can get, how much can you deadlift, how much can you squat. If you just do all that, you'll be great. You become obsessed with powerlifting and you yourself dabble in powerlifting and you want to get as strong as you possibly can. So you're learning all these methods and then you start to only pull stuff from competitive lifting worlds like powerlifting and weightlifting and you totally forget about the sport what you're trying to train, what you're trying to accomplish. So we can understand what we're training for. And we can understand, okay, I'm training for X, Y, and Z, and really define what that is. Then we can look at exercises and movements and discuss the spectrum I mentioned, where maybe we're training certain exercises, we're training the tissues, the squat, the glutes, whatever. And we want to have like the rate limiting factor be those specific tissues. But then we're training movement patterns, we're training the ability to coordinate our body. And so there aren't modifications outside of the bounds and stuff like that, unless it's just too generally intense to do that we're going to utilize because we actually just want that movement pattern to be trained and we'll get, be better at it. I mean, be worse at it at first and progressively get better. Um, and then again, kind of working from frameworks of principles, we can derive a lot of good from all that stuff to apply it into a setting that is our own. Again, can it always be applied in your setting? I don't know. That's tough. Maybe you have too many kids, too many athletes, too many individuals you're working with that you can't actually make it most optimal. But maybe you can say, okay, well, I can have a safety bar squat. I can't afford certain move pieces of equipment that allow me to have more flexibility in how I load the tissues. I'm a big safety bar squat guy, if you haven't noticed by now. Um, it allows for so much freedom of movement with the added stability and gauge. It allows you to get in positions that you otherwise wouldn't because so often you're limited by stability in our movements with barbells. Barbells were never made for you. They just weren't. And the stability of a barbell is not the same stability of a sport. It just isn't. Go watch a professional basketball player play. And then go, like an example is go watch LeBron James play basketball and then watch him squat. He's not very beautiful when it comes to squatting. He's a, an amazing mover on the basketball court. Um, so think about those. I'm going to wrap that up there. My next podcast, I will talk about some of that skill stuff. Um, some of the ability to challenge yourself to try and make some better sport, some of the endeavors I've been diving, endeavors I've been doing, things I've been diving into and stuff maybe you can learn from. So as always, I appreciate you guys. I'm going to try and get this podcast rolling again. Uh, hopefully in the future, maybe get some guests on here. But for now, it's going to be me, myself, and I. So as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Wishing you all the best. Take care.